Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Welcome to our first of our summer Sundays. Great to have you here with us. And welcome to those that are online as well. Excuse me, I just got a hair in my mouth. Get it out of the way. Make it easier to talk. Um, My name is Mim and I'm one of the pastors here. And it is great to be able to celebrate, have all the kids joining in with us for our summer Sundays. And as you came forward to give your offering, I noticed that a few of you went bush bashing. But it actually created a little bit more of that eucalyptus smell as the leaves were crunched. So thank you for doing that. It will clear out our sinuses. Um, No, it is really great to have you here. How about I pray as we dig into what God wants to say to us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this time that we can be here together today. I pray that you will help us to have ears that will listen. They may be small, they may be large, but may our ears work well today, Lord. Um, Help us to grow big in love, deep in faith, just like you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. And thanks to all of our crew who have helped um, leading us in worship and joining in, wearing some kind of checked shirts, um, going in with the farming, Australian kind of country theme with our jeans and everything. Um, But to be honest, Aussie farmers look a little bit more like this wearing high-vis clothing. This is my dad, a few pictures that were taken a few years ago, and if you spot him, he's out here in the audience as well. Um, Now, my dad has farming in his blood, and you can tell by looking at his huge hands that he has lived and worked on a variety of farms. These photos were taken a couple of years ago when he was living down near Bridgetown, and his love of farming included growing veggies. So he grew pumpkins and watermelons, capsicums, carrots, tomatoes, even spinach and silver beet, the green stuff that he won't even eat, but he grew it for mum. I wonder if any of you have a veggie patch or a garden at your place where you're growing veggies. Hands up. A few of you. Okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions as we go along, and I want your participation. So um, there are a few things that need to be done to prepare the soil so that it's good for growing veggies. What types of things need to be done? Can you shout them out? Some fertilizer. Yep. Some mulch. Sunlight, water, good soil. What, what makes good soil? What do you need in it to be good soil? All sorts of things. Compost, manure, yes. Maybe some straw, yep. Um, and it needs to be loose and not rock hard, so it's got good drainage, all of those things. Um, and, and you also need to... Check on what's growing in there regularly. Dad would go out regularly and check how things are going, make sure there's no pests or bugs that are there destroying the plants um, and, and pulling out the weeds, all of those things. So you've got some good ideas, and we'll come back to those in a little bit. So hold that thought of developing good soil, and we'll come back to it. As you saw in our cartoon, our animation of our Bible reading today, Jesus talked about different types of soil. Some good soil, some not so good. So let's recap a bit as we read Mark chapter 8. 
A farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and was choked and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus often spoke in parables, telling stories that used everyday objects or circumstances to explain deeper spiritual truths. Some say this is actually a parable about parables. Not everyone could listen deeply to the meaning of Jesus' stories and understand them. His words didn't always take root in people's lives. We continue with the reading um, in verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Jesus explained that understanding God's plans about his kingdom was like having a good secret that some people knew about. And how beautiful it is that Jesus took time away from the big crowds to go deeper with his close followers and explain things more clearly. The seed is really important. The seed is the message about God's kingdom. The teaching words of Jesus that require faith to trust and know to be true. In verse 14, Jesus clarified that the farmer sows the word. Or in the Message Bible, it says, the farmer plants the word. You see, the seed of faith, in, the seed is faith in Jesus and in his teaching. John 1.14 makes it clear that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God spreads and plants his seed anytime. Not just at a particular time like Easter or Christmas. The seed planted in the lives of others is the message of Jesus. His love, his plan to save us from sin and that he wants to be in relationship with us throughout our whole lives and he desires to spend eternity with us and him in heaven. Accepting this teaching about Jesus is like receiving the seed of faith. In this parable, the seed word about Jesus lands on four different types of soils, which is a bit like four different heart attitudes. Now, to be clear, when we talk about the heart, it's not just the organ that pumps blood around our body, but it's used to describe the part of our body where deep spiritual understanding and feelings are. At the end of last year, uh, when we were discussing about the breastplate of righteousness that protects our hearts, um, some of our very intelligent kids said that we actually don't feel with our heart, but with our hypothalamus, which is a part of the limbic system 
um, limbic system in the brain. So when we talk about this concept of the heart attitude, it's not just intellectual thinking or the emotional part of our brain, but it's our deep, soulful and spiritual understanding of who Jesus is. So these heart attitudes described by the different soils are the hard heart on the path, the shallow heart with the rocks, the crowded heart with the weeds, and the fruitful heart where the seed landed in good soil and could grow strong and fruitful. Jesus described the seed landing on the hard heart and it didn't even get started. We read in verse 15, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Some people will hear about Jesus, but they do not understand who Jesus is. Like the hard road, the seed is trampled by others and stolen away and not able to grow. Those with a shallow heart have some time where the seed germinates, but their faith is not long-lasting. And there is not enough root and support to sustain it when things get tough. Jesus said some people are like the seed sown in rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away, which is so disappointing. And so too, when the seed in a crowded heart sprouts, it looks hopeful, but their faith fails to last. As Jesus described, they are like plants overcome by prickly weeds or thorns. With the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. When our lives become crowded and mixed with things that are not helpful to our faith, when we prioritise money or unhealthy pleasures or get anxious or worried about other things, our faith can struggle and even get choked out. However, Jesus also described a fruitful heart. Mark concludes the explanation of this parable in verse 20, saying, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. In farming terms, 10 times the amount of seed that was sown would have been a really amazing, excellent result. But Jesus communicated a harvest that was exceedingly abundantly more than what was expected. You see, people flourish with faith when the roots of faith grow deep and strong. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was so simple of listening to understand, receiving the word about Jesus as the seed, accepting and germinating and sprouting and continue to grow so that we could all be fruitful disciples of Jesus. John 15 verse 8 says that when you become fruitful disciples of mine, my Father will be honoured. Some translations say glorified. Our fruitfulness pleases God. It points others to God and it is very good. But the process is not so simple. 
If it was, we would have an abundance of Christians absolutely everywhere and there wouldn't be anxious people worrying about their loved ones not having a lasting faith. We would have everyone enjoying a growing faith in good soil. Before we look at what might be needed for good soil, let's take a quick look at what the fruit is. Now, there are three possibilities. The fruit might be the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of God's Spirit that grows in us as we grow in a relationship with Him, like love, joy, peace, patience, and all those wonderful attributes we so often use as a standard of behaviour for good Christians. Fruitfulness might be working hard to live productive Christian lives where we serve others and do what is right and loving and good. But being a fruitful Christian is not just about character traits and behaviour alone. Yes, character and behaviour are important. We are called to be holy through a loving relationship with Jesus as he works in us, renewing us and transforming us into his likeness as Romans 12, 2 and 2 Corinthians 3, 18 encourage us. But I would like to suggest that being a fruitful Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus who multiplies. That is like an apprentice continually transforming into the likeness of our master Jesus and contributing to the great commission to also go and make disciples of Jesus. And to do so, we need a community around us. Dan Lovgalia puts it like this. Discipleship is the lifelong transformation of someone who decides to trust Jesus Christ for salvation and become like him in every way. It happens individually in the context of community through the cultivation of God-honouring attitudes, convictions, practices and relationships. We need all of these to work together to cultivate good soil. So going back to those of you who grow veggies, how did you know what kind of soil you needed? What did you do? Did you just go out the back and chuck some seeds in the sandy soil? Did you do a bit of research? Did you ask some people for some advice? Or like me, did you Google it? <laughs> We're going to have a look at what the good soil requires. Now, this is actually a typo. It's meant to be good soil, not God soil. We will get to the God part in a little bit. Good soil has good soil tilth. Now, tilth is the quality of soil, whether it's soft and aerated, warm and moist, and not hard like the path. Gardeners rake and farmers plough the soil to prepare it before the seed is planted. It also needs to have sufficient depth. My dad's veggie beds were deep. And as you saw, um, as we saw, the, the rocky soil was not deep. Needs to have depth for the roots to be long-lasting. There also needs to be low weeds, um, Louise not only suck the life and the nutrients out of the ground um, and take the water for the plants, but if you pull them, there is the risk of pulling out the good plants too. They need to be removed carefully to prioritise the growing seed. Soil also 
needs to have suitable nutrients like nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. We can add compost and fertiliser and sometimes a little cow poo is actually needed. Good soil needs an abundance of other beneficial living organisms, including worms and bees in the garden. Good drainage, no toxins, and the right amount of sunshine and rain. Just as plants need a good soil environment, so do we in our faith journey. Many clever people have searched and identified some of the practices that create good soil for lasting faith. Some of these concepts will not be new to you. And I often talk about cultivating environments that nurture and nourish the faith of children. And I'm convinced that children of all ages need good soil conditions to grow to be fruitful disciples of Jesus. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to explain some of these and why they are so important. At Mounties, we strongly believe in the importance of an intergenerational faith community. This is all generations doing community life together. Everyone has a role to play. Discipleship is a responsibility of our whole church community. In the Bible, God established the Israelites in a community. We read in Deuteronomy 29, all of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord our God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives and the foreigners living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God. All people were included in the faith community God established. People of all ages and different nationalities. And in our foyer, you might have noticed we have this quote on the wall from Beckwith and Chinoff. When you mix together meaningful participation, radical hospitality and intergenerational community, you create a potent catalyst for generating a culture for nurturing children's spiritual formation. We need people of all ages to grow and learn together. Young people significantly benefit from non-parent adults. In fact, having three or more non-parent adults who offer support and encouragement and guidance is a key to de- key developmental asset across all age groups. Research shows a direct link between these influencing adults in adolescence to increase devotion in their particular faith tradition. Our church is an intergenerational community of faith and your active participation in the lives of others is actually essential in cultivating good soil in which we can all grow. The second sphere of influence is to generate and participate in healthy households of faith. There is a unique partnership with the church to be living examples of faith and to encourage faith conversations with others, including your children. But you actually spend more time in your homes than at church. So your homes or your households of faith have a much greater impact on your lives than your time spent at church. 
You may have heard me speak these words from Psalm 78 before, and they are so important. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn will tell their children, then they would put their trust in God. We must share our faith with the next generation. And the best context to do that in is within our homes. Three years of research from the Barnard Group was published in 2019, identifying that faith experiences in youth affect Christians' belief and practices in adulthood. Households with children tend to have more conversations and activities related to faith. And mothers seem to have a significantly positive and enduring influence on spiritual, uh, spiritual formation, even into adulthood. Households, usually made up of older, empty-nested couples, have more secluded lifestyles with regular, meaningful conversations with their partner and rarely anybody else. Another thing that they realised was that young married couples, sorry, sorry, young unmarried adults often live in the context of shared housing. And though, although their households are vibrant and hospitable, spiritual interactions are often random and limited. The final thing they realised was that spiritually vibrant households share traits that can be nurtured with any household dynamic. Kurt Butchholz, which is a cool name, highlights that the qualities of, of these vibrant households of faith, uh, where faith is cultivated in beautiful and lasting ways, are attainable in any household, no matter the size or the makeup, which is good news for growing disciples. He says that any spiritual do spiritually dormant household can become, over time and with intention, a spiritually vibrant household of faith where participants pray, read and discuss the Bible, have those spiritual conversations. They practice hospitality and engage in fun activities together. That's what a vibrant, spiritually healthy household has. So these two spheres of influence, an intergenerational faith community and healthy, healthy households of faith, encircle all the other activities that nurture and nourish healthy discipleship growth. Discipleship happens best in the context of these lasting and loving relationships. So let's look at the four pieces on the inside. Cultivating good soil includes making time for intentional encounters with God. This includes understanding God's big story of the Bible and our personal relationship with him. John 10 verse 3 describes Jesus as a shepherd who knows his sheep and they recognise his voice. In fact, he knows them by name and leads them. These encounters with God include peak experiences, personal and corporate times of worship and prayer, retreats, camps, uh, conferences and even church services. And individual quiet times can be moments of revelation and understanding of God as Father, Son and Spirit. It is important that we take time to reflect and respond to God 
allowing him to speak directly to us as we encounter him. Another intentional aspect for each of us is to actively participate in hospitality, service and mission. To love others as Christ loved us. To love well. And it involves hospitality. To welcome people into our church and our homes. Having kids involved in our summer Sundays isn't just about giving them a job to do. It's about welcoming them in our community and giving them a sense of belonging in in active and practical ways where they can serve in our church. These aspects of radical hospitality, serving others and joining mission trips transforms lives as we step out of our comfort zone and share the love of Jesus with others. Hebrews 10 says that, We need to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Sometimes we need to be intentional about our encouragement in these important aspects of loving others and giving space for young people to join us. When we are actively engaged we naturally begin to to develop mentor and peer relationships. As you consider your own life, I wonder who has had a spiritual influence on you? The mentors that you have had, the aunts and uncles, the kids' church and youth leaders, the peers and friendships that spoke into your life, not just with direct teaching, but as role models and sounding boards in decision-making and times of questioning faith and wrestling with the storms of life. As Proverbs wisely reminds us, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need others. The guy I quoted earlier, Dan LaVagalia, reflects on his life stating that lifelong disciple-makers provide more than childcare or teaching, more than moral instruction or entertainment. They had a vision of me following Jesus for the rest of my life. I wonder if you see yourself as a mentor or a peer that has this vision for those you influence. Are you cultivating soil, the soil of those around you so that they can be lifelong disciples of Jesus? How are you modelling faith? Or perhaps as a parent, you can identify some people who would be good mentors or peers for your children. You can be explicit by reminding them who the people are that they can talk to and invite those people to significant events and into your home to spend time with your child. These are also great people that can celebrate with you such as birthdays, graduations, Christmas and Easter. These events allow opportunities to speak about faith, to nurture and nourish that growing discipleship culture. These are our traditions and our rites of passage. They can be significant faith markers for each of us. As the Israelites left Egypt bound for the promised land, they received these instructions written in Exodus. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, 
It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes. The feasts and the festivals were times of sharing the stories of God. Perhaps for us, birthdays are a time to tell of God's power and provision in our lives. Certainly Easter and Christmas are. Here at Mounties, we also celebrate the significance of baptisms and graduations. In December, you might have been here and seen our pre-primaries graduating and getting ready to go to the big primary group of MPK and, and our year sixes graduating into youth ministry. We gave them gifts and we prayed a blessing over them because it was a significant marker in their faith journey. We are intentional in helping people of all ages grow in faith. So I wonder if you will consider how you can join with us in 2023 to help all of us to keep growing in good soil as an intergenerational faith community in healthy households of faith where encounters with God and participation in hospitality and service and mission are encouraged alongside positive mentors and peer relationships as we do life together and acknowledge milestones and celebrations to cultivate environments where faith can thrive. Because we believe that whatever grows will only flourish if the roots take hold and continue to be nourished over time. It is important for us to consider the four soil types. Which heart attitude are you experiencing yourself? What about others in your family? With the insight from research around the world, you might be encouraged and you might, because you might already have been cultivating good soil for those around you. Thank you. Thank you for investing time and energy and resources into the lives of others. And thank you for doing your own work to create a sustainable environment to be fruitful disciples. But maybe... There are some strategies that you can invest in to cultivate your soil and those in your sphere of influence to enable strong roots to flourish, to go deep, to be fruitful in faith. Perhaps you'll find a mentor, a spiritual coach, or be one. Perhaps you'll befriend a family and encourage them to be a household of faith. Find ways to serve alongside others in our intergenerational community and share the reason for your faith in Jesus. As a faith community, we can nurture and nourish the faith of others around us to cultivate environments of good soil and support people to flourish and thrive in their understanding of Jesus, growing disciples together, following Jesus permeating society, transforming lives. I encourage you, as we wrap up, that if you want to be a part of that journey with us, that you will stand right now where you are, that you will say, yes, I want to be part of that good soil environment where we are multiplying, growing disciples.
Will you stand as I pray? Mighty God, your love for us is so amazing. You are gracious and generous to us. We are sorry for the times that we have not been followers of you. Our hearts have been hard, shallow or crowded. Please forgive us for not cultivating the soil of those in our care. And today we ask that you will enable us to grow, that we will flourish, thrive and not just survive in this new year. Help us to nurture and nourish the faith of those around us those in our church community of faith, in our households, and those who you want us to reach out to. We thank you for the wonderful people who help us and your spirit at work in us. May each of us of all ages continue to grow multiplying disciples, true followers of Jesus, bringing honour and glory to you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.